We've spoken a lot of words from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, we've been using that phrase, therefore. And there's a lot of therefore in the Bible. And I can quote many, I think Dave and some of you others could quote a lot of therefores. And therefore is Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're talking a lot about therefore. Trevor's been mentioned a lot. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. We, might, we find help in time of need. But this morning, I, I don't want to go there, but I'm just going to show, I'm going to show one scripture where that therefore, and it's in Romans chapter 8, 32. Romans, if you've got a Bible, tablet, phone, whatever you want, a device you have, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I'm just going to give this verse, I'm not going to preach on this verse, but I want to share this verse with you, because I just feel this is significant. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Read it again. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Amen. God wants to give us all things. up, Not the things that, you know, the silly things you might ask for silly, the things that you need in this life. Today, I just felt God wants to leave. I'm going to go to Psalm 23. That's where we're going today. So we've got a Bible open. Psalm 23 is where we're going. Because that's what I believe God wants to speak on. So if you've got a Bible or your phone, whatever you've got, or your home, if you've got your phone with you at home, or whatever you've got, Psalm 23. Well-known Psalm of David. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Right, praise the Lord. Question today, question, how is your relationship with the shepherd? How is your relationship with the shepherd? I'm going to ask you that. How is it? Are you close to the shepherd? Are you distant? Is he your best friend? Is he the one you look to, your protector and your provider? The shepherd, how close is your relationship with the shepherd this morning? Do you spend time with him? Or are you just looking over your shoulder to see that he's still there? Do you spend time with him? Do you meditate on his word? Do you read his word? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25 to 33, I'm going to be quite a few scripture verses. So Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 33. It says this. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? So I'm talking about verse 1 where it says, I shall not be in want. Context with what we're reading, right? That's what we're reading now. I'm not going to be in want because God's going to provide for me. That's what I'm trying to get. That's what he's talking about here. So I'll carry on with it. Sorry. So in case you didn't follow what I'm getting at. Nor worry about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than the food and the body more than clothing? Yes. Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, that not even one of these will say to you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field today, and it's gone tomorrow, and it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry about saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I shall not want, he says in that verse, I shall not want. So we're not to worry about any of those stuff. I've just read a whole list of stuff from there from Matthew chapter 6. And you and I, I know we do, we all do it. Oh, we're going to have enough money to pay the bills. We're going to, but he's telling us not to worry. The psalmist is saying, don't worry, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. God, God doesn't, God's not going to put you in want. He's going to provide. We never have to go begging. God will provide. He's your heavenly father. He will provide to the uttermost what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then in first, go back. Sorry, I've got to flick around a lot. (laughs) Verse 2 of Psalm 23 says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep feed in green pastures. They don't feed on the desert. They don't feed on the mountaintop. They get stuck on the mountaintop, but they don't feed there. They feed on the green pastures. You and I feed on the word of green pastures. He leads me. So that to me is nourishment, it's good. Where do I get my, where do I get my food from? From his word. As I read his word, digest his word, that's where I'm getting my food. My green pasture. So the sheep are being led to a green pasture. The shepherd's not going to show you up the mountain and just leave you, all, you know, down the garden path, as that saying goes. That's not what the shepherd of the sheep does. That's not what our shepherd does. I think about the shepherd, right? In the Eastern world, the shepherd calls his own by name. Oh, a bit loud, sorry. In the Western world, we drive the sheep with the sheepdog. Come here, boy, come, come, and all this. I don't know if you've been watching some programs, you've been looking at me yet. We drive the sheep. Not in the Eastern world. They wish they call and the sheep follow. And that's you and I. We have to follow the Messiah. We have to follow Jesus. We have to follow example, following the shepherd. God's not going to drive you with a big whip and bang. Why are you doing this? Why are you not in church? Why are you going to pray enough? That's well, I could say that, but that's, God won't say that to you. He doesn't drive you. He loves you, puts his arms around you, carries you on his shoulders. So there's a difference straight away for the sheep. The shepherd, Jesus, hallelujah, good things for us. He leads us in green pastures. So it's true, green pastures, you know, the nourishment that you need for the whole of your being in the word of God. And he gives us rest. He gives us rest as well. Praise God. God gives us his best. The best. What was the best? What is God's best? We can read it in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his best, his only begotten son. For you and I, whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's God's best for you and I. There is no second best. Jesus came to save the world. You and I live in the world. There is nobody else coming to save you. Only Jesus came once and he's coming again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he returns. He came once and for all. He died once and for all for the sin of the whole world. And he lives forever, seated at the right hand of the Father. Once and for all. So this life, you've got to get to grasp some things of the Word of God. Get into, get into the Word of God. Get hungry. Let God lead you in the green pasture. Even if it's only reading one or two verses, I don't really care. As long as you're feeding on the Word of God, it's, it's, it's important, it's vital for us to grow. So if, if we've got a baby at home, and Noah, and he's now almost walking, right? And he was a little tiny thing when he was born. But the growth within just, just under 12 months. 
a natural growth, but there's a spiritual growth in you and I as we feed upon the green pastures, as we come, as we pay attention to the word of God, as we stay in where God wants us to be. I'm not, you know, we need to be under the word of God. We need to hear the word of God because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So how will you have faith to survive in, in this world if you don't have the word of God and listen to the word of God or do anything? How do you survive? God is gracious, merciful and faithful. But the, the, the real thing is, it's his word in you and I. The word of active, active in my life. See, because I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, but without the word of God active in you, what's actually going on? It's got to be active in your life. That's why we read it. We meditate on it. We pray about it. We, we digest the word of God. The word of God is powerful and sharper. What it says in, Ephi, sorry, in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword piercing to the soul, spirit, joints and marrow, discerning intents and thoughts of the heart. Because it's the word of God. You can't get away from it. It's the word of God. Glory. You've got to feed on green pastures this morning. Read pastures. God wants us to feed on those pastures. He leads me. Where does he lead me? Beside still waters. I wonder what you're going through at the moment. Some of you have gone through all kinds of things in your life. But Jesus leads us in still waters. He leads us to that place. So look in Matthew chapter 11. It's well known. I used to quote this when I was younger. A lot of anxiety in that when you're growing up. A lot of you probably have been there as well, right? And I couldn't sleep at night. And I used to probably have shared this before. And I couldn't sleep much at night. And anxiety and, you know, probably your head spinning around and around and motion. You know, we've been growing up, you know, none of us are perfect. No, we're not all holy and we live on some cloud. And... But I remember praying, you know, this was a prayer of mine. And I'm... 11, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. I used to say, because it says, going back to what I've just said, he leads us in still waters and he restores my soul. So what's it say? It says here, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How we need that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The soul, the rest for the soul. Rest. Trevor, I hope, Trevor, you're having your foot up and you're enjoying listening to me instead of yourself for a change. And Karen as well. Bless you both at home and anyone else who's listening. Because sometimes we need a rest. God's, it says in Hebrews, it says about the repair, God's prepared a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I used to have to write, when I was Bob's going to write a thing on it. We're at word now. But there is a Sabbath rest. God rested on the seventh day from all his And you and I have entered into that rest in Christ. That's what it means. When you read Hebrews chapter 4, I can't, oh, shall I have to go there? I'm going to go there. Let's go there. Because I've been speaking about it. I better show you where it is. <laughs> yes, it's Hebrews chapter 4 again. There remains therefore, as it's Hebrews 4, 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now, and the next verse says, right, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So it's a Sabbath rest. It's a rest because we are rest within God. Maybe it's a bit hard to understand, but it's, it's, it's the rest God's got for you and I. It's that, you know, we don't have to rest, rest in this, this again. Because we're entered into the kingdom of God. Jesus lives in me. His spirit lives within you and I. And there is a rest for the people of God. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31, says this. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths, I was young once, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall, be utterly, shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. He restores my soul. Soul. He restores, he renews. This morning, yeah. I'm going to go, because it's a question I've got to ask you. Because I'm interested, because I always want to learn something myself, because I don't know anything none of us all do. And the question I've got is, what, what is the soul? Because... Yeah, what is the soul? I thought, I wanted to know a bit more about it because I know a lot about my body and the body and we're talking about the body of Christ and you've been in the body of Christ and I'm in the body of Christ and Jesus and all those things and also about the spirit. But what is the soul? Interesting, yeah, what is the soul? Because that's what we need to know as well. Because what's it saying? He restores my soul. He's in the restoration, the restoring. So we speak a lot about the other things, don't we? About the body. And about the spirit. What is the soul? Man is made up of three parts, as I said, body, soul, and spirit. Some believe it's dichotomies too, but I believe it's three. Body, soul, and spirit. And we know it's SOS, save our souls. Another thing then, explanation, because I'm trying to make it simplify, yeah, but we have we are, so we have what's known as soul music. <laughs> yeah? I'm using the word, right? Soul music, and it gets into the emotions, and it gets you going. Or, yeah? Because it's soul music does something within oneself, right? I'm using that just trying to understand what the soul is. So the soul is the will, the, the emotions, the feeling, the mind. These are all the elements of the soul. So you have a body. You have a spirit which comes from God when you're born again because you did have a relationship with God before you were born, because you would have been. But of course, sin came in the world, and you died. And then you've been born again. The spirit of God lives in you. If anyone has not got Christ, then he's not his. That's what he's saying. So the Spirit of God lives in each one of us, right? But you imagine, oh, it's, it's a, I had a mind-blowing experience, I think, this week. Trying to think, if you think about, we would have been so, imagine, because if sin wasn't in the world, all these issues and problems we go through, we wouldn't have them. We'd live victorious all the time, every day, everything. In bright sunshine, we wouldn't have any problems. Because that's, I think that's the life we would have had. But sin entered the world and caused all the sin, the terrible things that happened after sin, Adam fell with Eve, and then bang, 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 a knock on Donovan's. You and I have been, we've all fell. Sin has come. And sin brings death. You think about it, we would have, Adam and Eve were perfect in the garden without sin. Nothing, no fault, no wrong, no cancer, no sickness, nothing. It wasn't there, it didn't exist. Nothing. Perfect. Perfect human being. Perfect. I want to say this as well. You mentioned breath, the bones, right? Right. God breathed life into Adam. If you can read, if you go and read in Genesis two seven, I'll go and read it. Look, let's go about the soul because animals don't have souls, as far as I understand from Scripture. I don't read where it says an animal has a soul. You and I do, because we're human. And we're completely different to the animal world. You wasn't a lump of slime that evolved into a tadpole that became a newt, became something else, a human being, whatever. Nonsense, I believe in creation as the word of God proclaims it. Don't believe in anything to do with evolution. And if you're being brainwashed, go and read your Bible. You might think I'm being brainwashed, you youngsters. But I don't believe a word of it. Darwin and all that stuff. He came from a Christian family, obviously went off down the wrong path. We were created in the image of God. God breathed. If you're looking, you can read it if you want to go there now. And two, Genesis 2, 7. God breathed. See, he never breathed into an animal. He breathed into man. God. You've got the God factor in you. Animals don't have it. We do. There's something about authority and power. God breathed into man. The very breath of life is not so. That's what we're talking about with the soul area. God breathed in. A man became a living being. God breathed. See, man is the crowning of God's creation. Let us make make man in our own image. You and I are made in the image of God. He never said that about that single animal. Everything was made from the dust of the earth. 
We are made in the image of God. And God breathed and became a living being. Let's read. I want to read from Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 8. I've got a lot, a lot of Psalms today. Psalm 8. Get there quick enough. This is what it says. Psalm 8. Lord, oh, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained praise or strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honour. So the son of man, which says the son of man, speaking of Jesus, the Messiah, but he's saying it also about man. You have crowned him with glory and honour, and you've made him to have dominion over all the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet. All sheep, all oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. All things have been put under our authority. I don't know if we're doing a good job, because the problem is sin came in the world and caused all the problems. It's a sin. It would have been perfect until sin came, wouldn't it? And God and Eden was perfect. Sin came, wrecked the whole thing. Thank God he's got a plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank God that Jesus came and saved us. Thank God. The only hope. We were lost, undone. No hope at all. Jesus came to save the world. He's saying, he's the saviour of the world this morning. Save. Jesus saves. Never think that you were an ape once or your ancestor was an ape or anything like that because it's not in the Bible. It's not the word of God. It isn't what God says. That's what man was trying to work out and Drain thinks it's that. It's not. God created us in his own likeness. We are human beings. We're not bits of slime that evolved from the ground into whatever you want to think. I know some of you are at school and teach. I don't believe a word of it. I believe the creation of our God created the world in six days and seventh day God rested. You have got a soul, your motion, your will. Psalm 42. I'm going to go another psalm now. This is an interesting psalm. Psalm 42. It's what we call the second book of Psalms. As the big deer pants for water, so pants my soul for God. I wonder how you're panting this morning for God. Are you after God or not? Are you close to the shepherd I said earlier or are you distant from him? Where will I come before you, O God? My tears have been my food day and night. When they continue to say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. Pour out my soul. Oh, I love that phrase. For you used to go with me to the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. And then this is next verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Hoping God. Oh, for I shall yet praise him for his help of his countenance. So it's the soul again, it's this, your emotions, your feelings, you're down, you all feel depressed. You know. God wants to break in, that's what the soul realm is so talking about. The soul, breath, the life, that's what it is. That's what he's saying, restore my soul, your countenance. It's a battle, like the mind is a battlefield. We're going through, the mind is a battle. God wants to restore our soul. The psalmist is speaking to himself. You and I have to speak to ourselves. You could, I mean, you might think I'm a bit crazy. I do it a lot of times because you have to. You've got to. Speak to yourself. That's what he's saying. Speak to my soul. 
Why are you so downcast within me, hoping God? So you've got to speak to yourself because God wants you to. God wants you to come to him. He wants you to tell him all your problems and all what's going on. He wants to know. He wants you to speak. Why are you? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? He restores my soul. Oh, hallelujah. God restores my soul. Wonderful, not oh, wonderful Jesus, hallelujah. We cry out to him and seek him with all our heart. There is a condition and a process we must take. And I want to read something from Jeremiah. This is what I believe. I'm going to read Jeremiah 29. It's a well-known, I want to just share this with you. 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 to 13. I want, and then we want to get a bit of context. For I know the faults that I think towards you, says the Lord, faults of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm going to read it again. For I know the faults that I think towards you, says the Lord, faults of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But there's more verses after this, verse 11. Which we, you know, that was the only verse we had, but we don't just have that verse. We have the preceding verse after that, preceding fourth and verse 11. Then you will call to me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, God is a good God. He's never a bad God. He's a good God. He doesn't do anything bad. He's not evil, nothing like that in God at all. You can't tempt God with anything. because he's, he's, he's not, he's, Right? But there's a condition on this verse. And verse 13, sorry, verse 11 carries a condition on the next two verses. Sorry, verse 10. I can't remember. Also, anyway, verse 11, sorry. For I know the faults that I think toward you, says the Lord. Faults for peace, right? God wants us to be at peace and not evil and to give you a future and a hope. But that is, for every, that's, that is just the norm to me. That's just a normal verse because that's the God I trust and serve. That is the God we serve. That's the norm. Sorry, I'm walking off the screen. Sorry, I'm here still. <laughs> That's the God we serve. It's the norm. But you have to apply the other verses. Then you will call upon me. How we need to call upon the Lord. When I'm in danger, I will call upon the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised and mighty to save? Call upon the Lord and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Where's the heart? Heart is the seat of the emotion, the feeling of the heart. The soul area again. When you start searching for God, you've got to search. Like gold, you're going for nothing. Search. That's what's the, the promise behind that first verse. We've got to. We've got to search. You know, we've got to eat the nuggets from the word of God. Devour it. Bite, chew it, I don't care how you get it, get it in you. The word of God. When you seek me, you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. Search him with all your heart. It's a submission. Submission to God's will, not my will. My will, the mind, the will of being. Obedience to God's word. So this is Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I'll go there as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We've all got a body, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The area of the soul here again. That you may provide that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See? That's why we go every day, renew my mind, put the helmet of salvation, because the mind needs to be renewed. Every single day, we have to renew our minds. God wants to renew my mind. That area. Verse 3. We read on again from Psalm 23. He leads. Sorry, he leads me in paths of righteousness. This is an interesting one. Verse 3, if you want to update. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So I, want, I think I need to hammer something home here because I've heard some of you over the years in this church say some things that I just don't think is scriptural. And I want to address the situation, right? And this is not having a go. It's just, just to get you truth, to you understand, right? 
Be careful what you say God is doing. Be careful what you say God is doing. Right? When you say God did this or God did that and God, you know, I got divorced, he took my husband away or he did this or God did that or whatever or I got this sickness, you know. God can't be tainted with sin. You cannot blame God for things for people say. Because I'll read the scripture. You, you can't throw that in God's face. You know, we live in a fallen world full of sin and things wrong. But by the grace of God, we live where we are today and we're saved and we're redeemed. We're under the blood of Christ. We're heaven bound. We can't blame God that God did this and God did that. You know, I don't know what God's doing today. Oh, this is happening. I really don't believe that's a scriptural principle at all from the word of God. So if we go into James chapter 1, I want to read you this as well. This is why I want you to read, say this to you in the area of people said this. James, if you read James chapter 1, 13 to 17. Let no one say, right? Let no one say, when I'm tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So God ain't going to tempt you to do anything wrong, because it's not his nature. He will never, never, never do that. It's not our God. See, it's not out of the nature of God. That's why we need to put something right. When you say, God is doing this and God... He is not. You've got an arch enemy, the devil, and he might cause something to cut and problem. But don't ever accuse God of doing things when it's not... God. I don't believe it. I just don't. don't. Don't abide with the word of God. Sorry, I want to bring a scriptural principle. God cannot be tempted with evil. That's what he's saying, James is saying here. Right? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And, when, and says, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to what? Sin. And God is not a sinner and he doesn't sin. He can't be tempted with sin. He can't be tainted with sin like you and I do. He can't. It's impossible. So don't, God cannot lie. He cannot sin because he's God. So don't accuse him sometimes. I've heard it said, maybe I've done it myself even, right? Over the years, I've grown up, been a Christian for a few years. Quite a few years, right? It can't be take God. Just wanted to print, I just heard, I said, a few people say that over the years in this church. And I thought, that ain't scripturally right. I want to put things right so you understand what I'm getting at. God does not sin. <laughs> He's, he lives in Perfect light. You know, it's just, it's just not right. If people say, God did this, God, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. If you're listening at home, no, he did not. God is perfect, pure, and holy. In, the, in approachable light is where God lives. You and I cannot taint that. Glory to God, we're going because the blood of Jesus sanctified us because we can go to heaven when we die. We have no grounds to go to where God is, but by the mercy of God, we can go to heaven through the blood of Jesus. It's death and resurrection. That's our ticket. That's how we get there. Not by my good works, not by my righteousness, but by his righteous act. Dying for me. We went this morning, Trevor wrote that song. Dying for me. Thank you, Jesus. Dying for me. Thank you, Lord. Yea, though I walk, I'm going to carry on now because time's going. Yea, though I walk, what does he say? I'll, I'll just want another point. Going back to Psalm again. Very relevant for some of you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you have known what it's like. I've not been in cancer, but some of you have. And that's like, and the, I mean, even your husband feels it for you and, and close friends do. The shadow of death, but you are with me. God is with you. When you've gone through that, right? That's one, amen, Wendy. Amen again and again, amen. Yeah. God is with me. When I'm going through the shadow of death, we mentioned about the shadow as word. The shadow word came up on the screen this morning. I noticed that when we were singing a worship song. You are with me. Woo! God is with me. Not against me, with me. You spare not his son, shall freely, I'll start with us, give us all things to this life. Because that's what he is. Woo! God will give us. That's not, I'm not favoritism to me. That is you as well, not me. That's plural, everybody. God will provide. 
because he's God. Glory to God. You are with me. Your rod, and look at this next bit here. This is interesting. Your rod and your staff. Mm. I mean, Dave's heard a lot about the rod and staff. We both did. We used to hear a bloke called Bill Wilson from America, and he spoke about the staff of God, where he would notch, put a notch on it when he'd gone through things. So obviously when he was, Dave was fighting with the Goliath, he had his staff, he put a notch on it, and it reminded God did this with me. When he would be fighting with a lion or a bear, he put a notch on it. Because he knew God seen him through this problem he'd gone through, he'd notch it on his staff. That's what he did. And that reminded him, you know, that came, that staff reminded him where he'd been with God as he looked at it, the process of his life. You know, can you imagine if you got that for 70 years, how many notches and things you'd have on it? Three score and ten we lost, but we live and by each other, we live 80 by God's grace. But imagine how many bits and marks on that stick. Sorry, staff. A lot. David, obviously, I bet his staff must be well marked up because he had a lot of a character. David was quite a character, wasn't he? Quite a character, David. We know that he was a prophet. We know he was a king. I'm not sure if he had a priestly ministry. Jesus was a prophet, priest, and king. The other side of it is this. Is, this is the other side, right? So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, mm, let's go to the rod bit. I don't like the rod bit, but I'm going to have to read it for you, right? Because it's in the Word of God. Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is what I believe is understanding, which is the rod of God. In a context that I believe is right. So he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I've mentioned about the staff which is the thing that you'd hold, which you'd notch and mark out the way you've been in your life, you know, and the victories and things that you've seen. But the rod, so the rod, you think, mm, well, I think it's in Proverbs, spare the rod and spoil the child. So that's the discipline thing, right? So the rod, so your rod, right? I'm going to read this straight out of uh, Hebrews chapter, what did I say? 12, 3 to 11. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraging your souls. For you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Right? For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. No one's exempt from that. Every child of God, we will be disciplined by every father. But the thing is, the good thing, it's not all bad. Don't think, oh, God will just hit me with a stick. No, that's not the truth, right? I'm just showing you the example from Scripture, right? If we endure chastening, God deals with us as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? And if we are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, we are all partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more be readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, chasten us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Nobody, I believe, this room could escape that. You can't get away from it. It's the word of God. It's not me. It's not me. I'm just giving you the word of God. What the Bible says. Don't have a go at me thinking, oh, I was having a go at me this morning. No, I'm not. I'm giving you the word of God. This is, this is our hope. This is the word of God. This is God's given. God breathed. God inspired. He gave us the word of God that we might. And now he's going he's to, what did he say? He's going to do it for the end for our good. Our good. You know, why do you slap the child? It's for good. God does it for good. Not for bad, for good. God is good all the time. He's never bad. He's good. Even when we go through things, God is a good God. 
Also, the staff, go back to that again. The shepherd has the staff, right? Now, you and I are described in the Bible as like sheep going astray. You've probably read this verse, right? What does a shepherd have to do? He has to get his crook, put it on, and pull you out of a ditch. Because if you wander off, you're going to wander like either. You wander off in a ditch. You will. I'm telling you that now. Right? If I'm left to my own devices, what are we going to do? We're going to wander off. We will. I'm telling you that now. But we're not. We left. We've got the word of God. We must keep hold of what the Lord's done. If we wander off, what it says in Hebrews, he says, the right Hebrew says, do not let us drift away, lest we, you know, do not, you know, like the boat's tied up and just untie, let it drift. Well, what's a warning? Warning, don't drift away. It's sad. It's very sad. When you read about that when it says drift. Yeah, I'll read that scripture. Hold on. This is Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. There's that drifting. The boat's been untied from anchorage, drifting out in the sea away. That's the expression, drift away. See, the rod and the staff, the staff, yeah, God gets hold of his staff because, you know, you're going in the wrong direction, bush, and he'll pull you out with his staff. You've got the wrong acquaintance, bush, he'll pull you out with his staff. You're mixing with the wrong people, pull you out with the staff. I'm telling you, been there, done it. God does those things, see, because he's able to. He uses the rod and the staff. So the, the rod is a discipline thing, as I showed you that in Hebrews. But I believe the staff is also helping you and I. You know, the staff is obviously twofold. It's showing you where you've been. All right, then. What do we do in the Bible? You underline things. You mark things in this word. I've got something near loads of sorts of things, right? Some of you, that's what you should do. If you've got a Bible, you, or you're not. You should. Well, God, that, see, God's not upset if you write all over his word. Dave, is he? No. <laughs> It's not a sin to write in your Bible. It's not. Ross doodles all over hers, I think. Yeah, she's agreeing with me. It's not a sin. God's not saying, oh, look, you've done the wrong word. You wrote all over it. He ain't going to do that. He don't care. He really don't care. It's his word. It's eternal. All right, you can't doodle on your phone, can you? I don't know how you do. You doodle on the phone, you put high mark highlights on it. <laughs> There's one for Dave, yeah. He don't care. Of course, Isaiah 50, 53, 6 is the verse of saying, we all like sheep have gone astray. We often quote in the scriptures like sheep. What's it? Well, Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. That's why I've gone at Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not He's also shepherd when you go to John chapter what? John chapter 14. John chapter 50. It's all about the shepherd of the sheep. John 10, 10. I come that you might have life more abundantly. Abundant life. Verse 5 in that, it says, You prepare a table before me, and you anoint my head. You prepare a table. God prepares a table before my enemies. Oh. You anoint my head with oil. God prepares a table before us. And you anoint my head with oil. Oh. Glory to God. My cup. Runs over. This morning, is your cup running over? We used to sing a song, my cup's full and running over. Some of you might know it. I don't know if Dave or Ross might know it. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. My cup's full and running over. I've got a smile from Bev at the back. Dave knows it as well. Dave knows it, yeah, right? I used to sing it when I was a little boy. My cup's full and running over. We used to sing that in Sunday school. Since the Lord saved me, I'm as happy as can be. So that's another thing about the soul happiness. Most God. I ask you today, yeah, is your cup full or empty? Is it running over or is it dried up? Are you empty? Because if you're empty, Jesus wants to fill you. If you're empty, you're in the right place for God to fill you up. Because you cannot... Yes, you can be filled again and again and again with the presence of God. 
He won't leave you. He'll never forsake you because that's what the Bible says. But we become weary. We like, you know, we need a new recharge. We need some new Duracell batteries because they've gone down. <laughs> You'll laugh. Yeah, this morning I want to say, yeah, this, John chapter 7. Yeah, John chapter 7. 37, 38, yeah. This is what Jesus said. This is what the Lord himself said. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. See, that's the promise to you and I. That out of our belly, God will flow rivers of living water. It's a promise, the Spirit. You and I. My cup runs over. I wonder where you are this morning. Is your cup running over? Is it, you know, oh. Because God wants to fill you up again. To fill you up to overflowing. Send us out, Lord. We sing that song. Send us out, Lord. Send us out. Just got in my head. But to send us out, he wants to fill us up. Fill us up and send us out. Fill us up and send us out. See, he ain't going to send you out half empty or half dead, is he? He's going to send you filled up. Filled up with his Holy Spirit. Filled up with the Word of God. Filled up. Because you're going to a weary person in a weary land that needs to hear good things. Needs to hear good stuff. God is alive and well and Jesus loves you. Fill you up to send you out. Fill us up and send us out, Lord. I'm going to finish with this. Surely goodness. Surely goodness. We sing a lot about this. We have a lot of songs we sing, don't we? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God's goodness. Wow. See, God is good all the time. Again, we sing a lot about God's... So I said back to that point. You can't accuse God because he's good. He can't be tempted with anything evil. God is good all the time. All the time. Even when you're going for a baby. God is not tempted with anything. He doesn't. Because if it was that, what you're saying, if that was the thing and I'm trying, I don't, then he's not my God anymore. Because you can tell me he's now got sin. Because you say to them, I'm just saying, I'm trying to get this point over, but I'm not making it clear enough for you. But God cannot be tempted with sin. It's unscriptural. It's not in the Bible. That phrase, people have heard it said, you know. No one, don't say, please don't say, oh my God, when you're using it in bad language, because it's not scriptural either. It's what you're saying, oh my God, it's virtually almost blaspheming when you say that. Sorry to say it, but it's the truth, don't say it. It's, it's not really a good thing to say, oh my God. You know, I don't, it's just not right. Sorry, I'm not, sorry, I don't have a go anymore. I'm just telling you it's not right. God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life. What a wonderful promise today. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. You are with me. You've been through the fire, some of you. God's been with you in the fire. God's been with you when you felt burned. God has been there all the time. He's never, ever let you down. You never let me down, Lord. You never let me go, Lord. We sing the songs. We sing it. You never let me down. You never let me go. Because he won't. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you go because he's God and he loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. We just need to follow him. We need to follow the shepherd. We're his sheep and we need to follow his leading. He leads his sheep out into green pastures. You and I. God will lead us. We will allow his Holy Spirit to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer this morning, I'll pray with you with Dave. If, you've got any, you, if you want prayer, let us pray for you. We are to pray for you. That's the biblical principle. I'm just saying, if you want anyone to pray for you today, you've got a need, you want me to pray, we'll pray for you. Don't, it's fine.
I'm getting the stage in my Christian life when I want to do everything I possibly can what God wants to do. I ain't got many years left, right? I'm 62 at the end of the year. And I want to see more of what God says in that than any other time I have in my life. Right? Why shouldn't I? If God says he's a miracle worker, I want to see miracles. If he wants signs and wonders, I want to see signs and wonders. Because that's the God I serve and reading his word. And that's what I want to see. I want to see, I'll go and have a cry, jump up, I don't care what happens, as long as God works, I don't care. I don't care, folks. As long as God moves by the power of his spirit, I don't care. Even if you come in through the cartwheel and get saved, I don't care. We cry, I don't care. Maybe we need to be a lot more emotional, start crying a bit more about the way things are. Get a bit more upset about the way things are. God, come. What does it say? If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven, heal their land. Maybe we need to send a week, a day crying, an evening crying together. Oh, be mercy, God, come. In Samaria, cry and move. Power of your spirit. Maybe we need to do that. But I'm telling you, if we sit here to, the kingdom of God will come one day. We can sit here to do whatever. People are not going to get saved. They're not. We are his hands and feet. Sorry, but it's the truth. Unless we go. God can do miracles, of course he can, and he can bring people in through that door, but that I don't think is the, the number one process that God wants to use. In his mercy, he wants to use you and I to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ. And I really feel God's... I've pressed on my own heart, you know. Yeah, I really do for myself. I'm not having to go... Any of you listening to me, this is for all of us. We are to go... Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you that you are our shepherd, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you are our heavenly Father as well. Lord, you're so much to us. You're so many things. You're our provider. You guide. You protect. You keep. You sustain us when we're in a weary land. Lord, thank you you've kept us through the last year or so. When awful disease has been across the world, Father, we thank you. Jesus, for what you are doing. Lord, we, yeah, we have sad loss of Robin, Father, we, but we know he's in your wonderful place where he is with you, Lord. Yeah, absent from the body and present with the Lord. And Father, we pray this morning you just help us as we go home today, this week, Lord. Help us to invite you into our lives in a bigger way, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. I ask the Holy Spirit to work in your name.